Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Habern Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is 106.5 FM, and uh, you can find out a little bit more about our station if you go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website and click on a button, you can listen to us anywhere in the city, anywhere in the county anywhere in the state anywhere in the country so again this is on the edge with k.a owens i'm k.a owens and we are blessed and favored to have some wonderful folks uh, sort of connected to some of the things that are going on in uh, eastern kentucky as uh, you may remember uh, there was heavy flooding that began on wednesday july the 27th 2022 And we are doing this recording Friday, August 26, 2022. So uh, we do have uh, Jack Spadaro here. If I mispronounced your name, correct me. No, that's right. That's good. And uh, Mr. Spadaro is a mining engineer, a mine safety engineer, and an environmental engineer. And he has a long history with working on uh, these kinds of situations. We also have Dr. Colleen Unroe here. Dr. Colleen Unroe was formerly a a field organizer uh, for the uh, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Uh, Maybe that's the wrong title. Maybe that's field organizer's political. You were more of a community organizer. Uh, Right. Yes. So, uh, because field organizer is political. So, um, uh, so, and uh, do we have anyone else there, Colleen, besides uh, uh, Jack and you? Uh, no. Um, All right. My new colleague at, um, I'm a visiting environmental studies professor at Dickinson College in Carl LPA, and, and uh, my new friend, as of a couple days ago, an organic chemist, um, had some opinions, but he had to actually go back to his office. But I, I do have something to share from his perspective as an organic chemist. Wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, Jack, tell us uh, how first uh, how you got started with mine safety and and also help us make the connection between uh, as most folks know, Eastern Kentucky, the entire geography, the entire environment has been tampered with uh, for over a hundred years by uh, uh, deep mining and strip mining. And so, um, uh, when it rains, uh, things happen a little bit differently, or a lot differently than if it was an untampered uh, natural environment. Uh, so uh, both of you are going to help us make that connection in people's minds. Uh, now, but Jack, tell us a little bit about your history in, in uh, mining and mine safety and environmental engineering. Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in a coal mining town in southern West Virginia, a little town called Mount Hope. And uh, if you want to know about Mount Hope, I, we actually have a website. We, we raise money for scholarships for kids. Uh, from the southern coal fields, uh, so Mountain of Hope Organization dot org will tell you about Mount Hope, and it was a, a mining community, kind of a hub for a lot of mining 
communities uh, that surrounded that that town, uh, and uh, mainly mining in <coughs> the Sewell coal seam and other coal seams that were high-grade metallurgical coal. So um, that's and my grandfather worked 45 years in those mines, and my father worked as a mechanic for one of the mining and a cousin who worked in the mines as well. So I was interested in mining and uh, I, uh, because of that experience, uh, went to West Virginia University in the late 1960s and got a mining engineering degree and uh, worked uh, briefly, uh, through that time I was working with an organization called the United States Bureau of Mines and I was in the enforcement, the mine safety division of the mine, uh, the Bureau of Mines, and then later that became the Mine Safety and Health Administration. So I was working for them in the summers and on weekends and holidays. I got a lot of good mining experience and saw, unfortunately, some terrible tragedies, one of them being the Farmington disaster of 1968 where 78 miners died in a mine explosion uh, in near Fairmont, West Virginia. And I was there and later did part of the, uh, part of the work to uh, determine what had happened in that mine. So I went back to West Virginia University. I worked for a while in the industry, then I went back to West Virginia University and became a, I was, headed toward an academic career, I thought, in engineering. And in February 1972, a mining waste dam failed in Logan County, West Virginia, and a tidal wave of water uh, destroyed uh, 17 communities, left 4,000 people homeless, and killed 125 people. And I was sent down from the School of Mines, where I was working uh, on a temporary basis for about six months, I thought, um, to work on the engineering study to determine how that dam failed. And I worked with a commission of nine people that had been appointed by the governor. And I wrote the final report, um, which still exists. And so later then I went into um, the federal government after working for about five years in state government, I went to federal government. And in the late seventies, I was part of a team of people who wrote the regulations to enforce the Federal Surface Mining Control and Reclamation Act. And one of the provisions of that act and the regulations was to do mining in a way, service mining in particular, that would not uh, disturb the hydrologic balance in a detrimental way. Um, so those laws have been in effect since the late 1970s uh, and were designed to make certain that any mining would not have any kind of um, disastrous effect like the Buffalo Creek flood. So as time went on, the federal government gave up the regulate, direct regulation of the mining itself 
as far as the environmental aspects and gave that authority to the states like the state of Kentucky. And I'm sorry to say that the state of Kentucky and the state of West, of West Virginia and Virginia and other Appalachian states who were given authority to regulate the, surf, the, the effects of mining and in particularly the, the effects related to flooding, those agencies failed in their duty to protect the public. And been, in the past years, uh, participating in studies where we have proven that uh, mining operations, in particular mountaintop removal operations, can cause an increase in the potential for flooding because of the vast areas that are disturbed. The trees are removed from the from the top of the mountain. The, the topsoil is removed and put into valley fields. The subsoils are removed. And then the rock uh, overlying the coal seams is blasted and also put into valley fields that drain into the downstream communities. And what we have found since the 1990, late 1990 in both West Virginia and Kentucky and Virginia is that those mines, because of the vast areas that are disturbed that have not been reclaimed, and have no vegetation on them can increase the peak flow during a storm period by as much as between 250 percent up to a thousand percent because when the rainfall hits the surface of those mines uh, there's almost instant runoff and that accounts for the some of the descriptions i've been hearing about this recent flooding they said it was like a tidal wave of water it wasn't a gradual rising of water, but it was a tidal wave that came uh, from the upper reaches of the watersheds. And what we found is that most of those watersheds had surface mining and tough removal or contour mining in the headwaters. And uh, it's starting to appear that that is a potential uh, source for the damage that was done. On, there was a, a significant rainfall but the damage that was left, the debris, mud, the uh, destructive force uh, was uh, contributed to, we think, by these mining operations. And I think there needs to be a serious scientific study with uh, objective uh, scientists, hydrologists, engineers, <laughs> geologists, who can uh, do a, a genuine study to show what effect the mining had on this flooding. So, uh, uh, from what I've heard and read, that there's a substantial amount more, uh, that, that as the rain just comes down quicker, that's uh, when it rains, instead of the forest and the natural topsoil the level that is abs which would absorb some of the rain uh do you have any math on that uh now i've heard that uh you know that that some almost half the rainfall would be absorbed uh by is that correct am i in the ballpark right. no you no, you're in the ballpark if you have a forested 
the natural, you know, with the trees still there and the, and the, uh, the surface soils and the subsoil still there, um, you, you would only get uh, during an immediate and uh, heavy rainfall, you would only get an immediate uh, discharge of about uh, 50 to 60 percent of that rainfall. But if you have a surface mine that is, has no vegetation on it and the, and the surface is compacted, uh, almost like pavement, about 95% of that water will run off instantly. There's uh, what they call a time of concentration. There's no absorption that takes place uh, on that surface mine. And that's what we found when I said that when we did the hydrologic studies, we compared we compared those watersheds uh, to what they used to be uh, prior to mining with a forested slope, and we applied the, the exact rainfall that had occurred during a time of flooding to that watershed in the you know the years preceding mining, and then we applied the same rainfall to that same surface area during mining. And he, we found that indeed the mining operations increased the peak discharge during the flood by between 250% and 1,000%. And that's using scientific methods that are used by the Corps of Engineers and uh, other government agencies. So there is no question that mining contributes significantly to the uh, damage that's done during a heavy rainfall period. There would be flooding normally if just the rain hit and the, the forested slopes were there, but the damage is much more severe because of the rapid rise of the water and also the debris, the mud and rocks and uh, and debris that is carried with it is so uh, far more destructive than had just water risen and then fallen after the flood. So, and to to interject, um, I'll, I'll try and be the concise one. Uh, this is not that certainly is not my strong suit. <laughs> if anybody knows me, uh, I don't tell a short story. But um, the way that I've been thinking about it is that you know you often hear with floods in this area, oh, it was a horrible act, act of God, or, or like it was an act of God, not, and, um, and the way that I've been kind of conceptualizing it and sharing it with folks is, um, you know, it was certainly no act of God. It was an act of man because climate, you know, anthropogenic caused, human caused climate change um, made the weather situation more, um, more extreme, more drastic. Um, and then I would say uh, that not not only was it an act of man, it was act of the company man, um, because um, like Jack said, uh, and there's scientific research that demonstrates this um, in community after community, Terry Blanton, a former uh, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth uh, chairperson and longtime environmental justice um, activist, um, formerly on, like, appointed to be on NEJAC, which is the National Environmental Justice um, NEJAC Council, um, which has now evolved under President 
Biden to be a white, it has a slightly different name, but she served two, three, or I'm sorry, two terms on that. Um, so Terry Blanton's quote that I often think about is the same story, different holler. And so, um, you know, in, in terms of this link with it being the company man, I mean, every community that I've been doing flood relief in or had been before I had to come back to Pennsylvania to start the semester, um, you know, you can see like people are sharing stories like over in Knott County, there's a horseshoe of strip mining above this particular holler or this branch where, you know, it's um, in the valley and, um, you know, um, and hard burly, I'd say that, I mean, I, I know I worked with, you know, a, a woman over in hard burly Beulin area that that's a, also a legacy of coal issue um, of a abandoned mine. Um, there's, you know, areas above the hazard that have abandoned mine issues, like historically since the 50s. And then you, you have the uh, abandoned mine lands, um, which has um, close to two billion dollars or or more that's basically propping up the federal government's budget um not releasing that aml money which is uh jack could probably do a better job explaining what the aml fund is but but you know with people like very obviously like there have been other issues that have been designated aml abandoned mine lands um and um, high priority, and then they come back and say just a week ago that that it's actually not mine, mine related. Well, uh, these homes are like slipping off the side of the hill or what's called subsidence, sinking down. Like there's no way that, that that's not abandoned mines. Um, but but so there's like this link between you know the maze of uh, old mines. Um, and AML would be, you know, before I believe the, the AML inspector I was talking to was saying anything, any mining before uh, 1984, 83, um, that, that's one designation. The other designation is, you know, if it's, it has been since the Surface Mining Control and Reclamation Act, SMACRA was, you know, 1977 and then implemented in the, you know, uh, early 80s. Um, and then, and then there's questions of is it an active mine permit or not? Um, but either way, um, you know, there's a, a number of different dynamics going on. Um, and and um, certainly, you know, where I've spent most of the time doing flood relief, I mean, I kind of lost count how many times I was stopping in hazard, you know, at the local pharmacy um, who was a you know, Dr. Tyler Wells is a gem and he's donated so much of his time, like every time he closes up the shop, then he goes out to various communities that are affected um, to get the medical supplies and then has given me supplies because I'm tackling or I had been tackling, you know, Breathitt County. Um, I mean, so many, so many supplies, so many people across the region doing what they can to support their neighbors. And then, um, but in terms of this particular link um, to mining, which I don't want to say, I don't know what um, Tyler's opinion is of the, or the connections of mining, but, but um, you know, in the areas that I was distributing water and medical supplies and anything under the sun that people needed, um, you know, particularly Hardshell, Caney Creek, um, and Breathitt County, um, the Lost Creek area, um, all up and down 
Highway 476, um, Clay Hole. I mean, these areas look like a bomb went off or they're like a war zone, you know? And then on the other side of Highway 15, you've got River Caney. Um, you know, they're, they're all surrounded by mining. And um, so, I mean, I think that that's an important, like, take-home message for anybody that's listening is that, sure, I, I agree that there would have been flooding, right, because you can't have, you know, 10 to 12 inches of rain in a seven-hour time period and not have some form of flooding. But but it, in the areas that were worst hit, whether it was in Brunton County or Perry County or Knott County or, you know, Fleming Neon, I went out there, you know, in the first bit of time, and I, like two-thirds of the, like, downtown businesses had red X's, like they, FEMA had already condemned them within, like, the first two weeks, you know what I mean? And also, they neon, Fleming Neon was flooded out twice in a one week, and they're surrounded by strip mining. So, um, anyway, but there are a lot of people coming together. I mean, in Hazard this evening, um, there are, I don't even remember, five or six bands there that are doing a massive benefit concert. Um, you know, the local honeys is the, I mean, they're a, a fantastic female musical duo. Um, uh, and then Ben Fugit and the Burning Trash Band um, has very compelling, I mean, Ben Fugit is a phenomenal songwriter. And he has a, he has a song that he wrote called It's Pronounced Appalachia. Um, because for folks that don't know, uh, oftentimes folks that are living above the Mason-Dixon line say Appalachia, and also it's in reference to J.D. Vance, who postures in his, you know, book called Hillbilly Elegy, that uh, he's, you know, this should be, er I, I mean, it'd be hard to describe without swearing, <laughs> frankly, but um, Hillbilly Elegy was like, a, a book that became a New York Times bestseller um, was like propped up as like, oh, this is the explanation for quote unquote Trump country. But you look at the data and voting, like, you know, it's another example of Appalachia getting, you know, uh, you know, the stereotype of Appalachia that they deserve what they get because they're voting against their interests. But like their their voting patterns were not that dissimilar. And also you can look at other parts of the country that are not rural, um, that disproportionately voted for Trump. But but either way, um, JD Vance, who happens to be running for US Senate, happens to also have gotten ten million dollars by Peter Keel, um or for his so you're you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, so uh, so back to uh, that. Breathitt County um, has been very devastated. JD Vance, whose grandparents are were from Breathitt County, he moved up to Middletown, Ohio. Wrote a, a New York Times bestselling author, running for U.S. Senate. And he hasn't, even though he's been on the national news as, um, you know, the spokesperson for Appalachia, which anybody and their brother that's from the region would disagree with that. Um, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that his mom was a drug addict, but that's not the Appalachian story. Um, but either way, he hasn't said anything about the flooding. Nothing. Nothing. 
And so I think that it's important to also make this connection between the politics of the situation um, and the reality on the ground and who's helping and who's not helping. I, I think another important point is that, you know, just today um, there was uh, a bill signed by Governor Andy Bashir, who has been phenomenal. Andy, Andy Bashir, Andy's a dandy. You know, the governor um, has Kentucky. been doing a lot of work around the flood relief. He was phenomenal with the crisis that happened with the tornadoes in Western Kentucky. And also, um, you know, and I think it's noteworthy that after that bill was signed, you know, he passed out pens, you know, like they do when a bill is signed and somebody plays an important role. Um, he passed, the, Governor Andy passed out pens to all of the Mountain Caucus state legislators um, and took time to think state senator brandon smith specifically because brandon was one of the folks i mean he happens to have a helicopter license doing rescue missions like all over not just in his state senate district all over the place um and do it so so even though there's there's this issue and dynamic of lots of um elected officials not really standing up. There are some that are gems, and I would say Andy Bashir and Brandon Smith are examples of an exception to a political landscape that is highly problematic and not actually working for the people. So folks, uh, um, we're here with uh, Jack Spadaro, uh, mining engineer, mines uh, safety engineer, environmental engineer, and uh, Dr. Colleen Unroe. And, and, and Colleen, uh, tell us, just uh, give a quick bio. Just want to remind oh, folks. Sure. Yeah, so um, uh, I started working with Kentuckians for the Commonwealth in 2003 as a community organizer, primarily working with the local chapters in Harlan, Perry, and Leslie counties. Um, I worked there through uh, 2011 and then moved back to Northeast Ohio for a couple of years um, due to uh, my dad needing some support in terms of his health and then started grad school at Penn State in 2013, I got my master's in rural sociology, finished my PhD in adult education and with a dual title in comparative international ed um, and a women, gender and sexuality studies minor. Uh, about a year ago, I'm currently just uh, started a visiting professor position of environmental studies at Dickinson College in Carlisle, PA, and have also been doing a lot of flood relief, um, partly just, uh, I, I was actually planning to go back to Eastern Kentucky um, to finish some data collection around, or do some interviews with folks around green skills and just transition work, or how do we transition past coal in a way that's like just for workers um, and the community colleges and that link. Um, but I, so I was planning to be back in Eastern Kentucky regardless, and then the floods hit. And so it, that kind of doing interviews just went out the window and I've been doing a lot of flood relief um, so you might say I, uh, I love me some Eastern Kentucky. And, uh, so, folks, what we're trying to do, Colleen, uh, uh, Colleen and, and, uh, and uh, Jack, and just to let people know that uh, the flooding in Eastern Kentucky, uh, yes, it was a heavy rainfall event, but because the geography has been so tampered with by the, the work of man that the uh, effects of the rain have been magnified. And... Uh, 
And so now that we know that, uh, at least the listeners of that of this show know that, what can be done uh, in a couple of minutes? Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. Is there anything that can be done to, to modify or rectify the damage of 100 and over 100 years? Less than a minute. That's almost another show, folks. I think we're... Uh, yes or no? <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe that there was hope, you know, and I think that that's one of the biggest challenges in, in trying to fight for any kind of social justice issue. But, I mean, I definitely I see that there's a lot of hope and things that can be done. I mean, the resilience of people in the mountains is incredible. I mean, I mentioned the musicians last week. At the art station in the hazard, there was a group of Appalachian writers that were sharing their stories, raising money for the immediate needs. Um, I, I believe... Uh, Folks, we've had a great show term. with Dr. Jack Spadaro and Dr. Colleen Unruh. You've been great. Folks, we'll be back next week.